Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Caught by Green. It is a touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is still here and uh, still in lockdown, but is still reaching out to you. Uh, My name is Paul Hirons and on the other end of the line is Nathan Palmer, everybody. Good evening, Paul. How are you doing? You feeling fit, healthy, and you know how's everything looking over in the same room? I can't see you physically now, so I've just got to envisage you in my head, and you know, think about that glorious beard, and um, <laughs> you know, those those tender biceps of yours. How, how are you getting on, my son? Oh, lordy, you have been think- you have been envisaging me for quite a lot by the sounds of things. Uh, yeah, it's all right. I'm I'm. Well, actually, it's funny, actually, because the house is looking cleaner and tidier than it ever has done before, I think, because my landlady, Ingrid, it's a big, big house, and uh, there's lots of different rooms, and uh, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but my landlady tends to kind of just stuff things away in various rooms. Uh, But now, it's kind of all sorted out, it's all clear and tidy, It's I'm not quite sure what's going on. Uh, Obviously, we we joke about the, the lockdown and the effects of this horrid virus that's doing the rounds but uh, if there is one slight slight and i say slight uh good to come from this i think uh our house is looking spick and span how about you nathan i mean you moved house last week in the middle of all this madness are you all okay yeah i'm um, temporarily got a new place to live down in central london which is it's, I mean, it's cool actually to sort of be in a new area in a time like this. It gives you sort of something else to, you know, something else to look out the window at and some new shops to go to. So, um, yeah, I'm doing all right, my son. I'm, I'm enjoying these, um, you know, the Bengals flashback games that we're doing on the Sunday. You know, yeah. keep seeing that, you know, ravenous crowd at Paul Brown. You know, oh, wasn't it amazing? Uh, we should just, I should just say that yesterday, well, every Sunday for the past three weeks, we've been doing uh, watch parties where. We've been uh, corralling the Bengals fans over on Twitter and playing uh, classic games from the past 20 or 30 years uh, and asking our followers to kind of watch along and tweet along as if it was like a normal Sunday afternoon. And uh, I have to say, they were really enjoyable. And yesterday, because we were recording on, on uh, this on the Monday, the 6th of April, uh, yesterday we replayed the uh, Chiefs and Bengals game from 2003 and as as Nathan said the crowd was absolutely crazy and I think one of the good things about it this whole kind of thing and I do apologize if you keep hearing sirens but unfortunately North London and the whole of London is just full of sirens at the moment which is slightly worrying but um, anyway back to the the watch parties they 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 kind of First of all, they're a great distraction for a couple of hours to take your mind off the madness. Uh, and B, it kind of it's a bit of a history lesson, really. It allows you to kind of see players once again that you hadn't seen for ages or games even. And also people who haven't been supporting the Bengals for that long. You know, it gives them the opportunity to, to see players that they've not seen in games before. And it also shows you that... Um, you know, if the Bengals do well, that stadium can be absolutely rocking. 
No, absolutely. I mean, it looked to me like there was 80,000 Bengal captains out there. Do you know what I mean? It was <laughs> it was an abs- absolutely um, ravenous atmosphere. And I think, you know, like you said, I think if we can bring a winning team to Cincinnati and really galvanise that fan base, you'll see those types of crowds again at Paul Brown Stadium. And I think that really, really does uh, give a team a competitive advantage on the field. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be revealing what's going to be playing in this week's uh, upcoming watch party on uh, Sunday. Let me just double check the date there. I think it is Sunday the 12th, Easter Sunday. Um, So I'll let you guys know. Uh, which game we'll be playing out next week. In the meantime... Is it the, uh, is it the game we got blown out by the Texans a couple of years ago when John Ross had that fumble? That'd be a good one to watch back on Monday Night Football when we got hammered. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, uh, no, we're only going for games that are pleasurable to watch, Nathan. You, you uh, should, like, one week just to, just to screw with everyone, just do an absolute disaster. of The game against the Bears that you were at a couple of years ago. Oh, don't. I never just... want to see that game ever again <laughs> in my life. I spent about a just gra- like you sit through three hours of that again. A grand and a half and four and a half thousand miles to see that. Goodness me! Um, <laughs> but of course, um, let me tell you about this week's episode of Cincinnati. Last week, there's going to be no songs first and foremost. So rest easy. Uh, we obviously sang our Tyler Eifert tribute song, uh, Mullet B, last week, which went down rather well, I think, and. Um, we also had Trey Waynes as a guest. Now, um, we have officially, when I say we, Cincinnati has officially entered draft mode. Uh, the draft is only three weeks away, and um, we do this every year. And the reason why we do this, you know, kind of have a couple of draft-centric episodes is because, you know, there are a lot of people out there who really take the draft seriously. In fact, it's their, it's their version of Christmas. They watch the Combine they salivate over arm length and uh, kind of, you know, broad jumps. <laughs> arm length, son, yeah. I said arm length, that's right. And <laughs> and um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they go deeply into the draft. They, they can recite names and colleges and statistics off the top of the head. But uh, not everyone is like that. They just kind of want to know who we might be taking. Um, so this is why we do. We do a couple of three draft-centric episodes, and today we've got our first draft-centric episode because uh, it's our very own uh, British Bengals draft panel, and that will be coming up a little bit later. Um, next week we'll have Dave Lapham, and the week after uh, we'll have Joe Goodbury, and then it'll be the draft. And apparently the draft, Nathan, is going to be some sort of virtual telethon sort of thing, I I have read. Have you seen that? Yeah, I mean, there's been a few different like things with the draft going around. I think Adam Schefter came out and had a really, really good idea saying that they should spread the draft out over seven days and have one day for each round and, you know, really sort of elongate it and, you know, get the most out of it. And I think for just about every sports fan out there at the moment, I think the thought of doing that, you know, over a whole day, so the, you know, obviously round one, one day, and then all the way through to uh, the seventh day and the seventh round, I think, you know, people now are crying out for some entertainment and some, you know, some sort of sport. And I think that's the closest thing we're going to get. And if they were to do that, I think it might be too late now with all the, you know, the television networks and stuff like that. But wouldn't that be something if they could do that? It would be. But I'm kind of uh, weirdly... Um 
intrigued to see how they're going to do this virtual because they're talking about having you know digitizing it and having these kind of virtual avatars walk you know entering or the making avatars of the players and walking down a virtual runway to the stage and all that kind of stuff um that to me is fraught with danger and it could be really bad or kind of quite cool i don't i'm not quite sure yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think <laughs> if you'd said two months ago, like, you know, the one option was being transported on a boat um, to a stage out on the, by the fountains in Las Vegas, uh, and now it's going to be a virtual animated um, graphic of someone, I think people would be rather shocked. But, you know, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to hopefully be sort of a once-in-a-lifetime type thing. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. What I would like to see, I think, is... Um you can enter a competition and the winners get to control the players avatars as they walk up to the stage so you get like a joystick at home and then like a video game you kind of get to control joe burrow and kind of say the words that he comes out type the words that are going to come out of his mouth uh i think that'd be quite amusing wouldn't you yeah i'm sure sure there's no risk at all to that (laughs) (laughs) no exactly Exactly. Uh, Before we get to our draft panel, we do have a little bit of news coming out of uh, Paul Brown Stadium. Um, First of all, today on the Monday, um, uh, Geno Atkins was named in the all-decade NFL team. And it was stuff with people who you kind of expect, you know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Donald and Von Miller and all those guys. But Geno made it. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely, and he, and he fully, fully deserves it as well. I mean, he's one of those players that sometimes I think goes under the radar in the league, but he's a perennial pro bowler, you know, unbelievable effort. Um, he's, he's definitely been, you know, the top five, if not the top one or two, his craft for the last five, eight years throughout the decade. So, you know, fully deserved. And I'm really, really glad that he's been given recognition for it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and hopefully he'll be backfiring on all cylinders next year because he's got uh, an absolute monster next to him in DJ Reader. So um, that's uh, something to look forward to if and when the season gets started again. Now, uh, also... Um, what do you think, son? You reckon the season's, season's going to start on track? Or do you think... I, mean, I know that apparently that's the plan, and I think the NFL came out of the day and said, you know, that they reckon that's going to happen. And not to speculate too much, but do you think that that's realistic that the season's going to start on in September? No. <laughs> I can't. Not I just all. can't see it. The way America is suffering at the moment is such a big country. And once you, like, you know, lock down things and things start to improve in one state, you get, you'll get get another state popping up with an outbreak. And I don't know, man. I'm, I, I know we're supposed to be cheering people up now, but... Um, and this isn't especially cheery, but I, I just don't see it. I think there'll be a delay to the season. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I, I, I'm very, very cautiously optimistic. It's a long way to go. And, you know, I think more than anything, I'm just hopeful that it does go ahead. It'd be a real shame to have to sort of cut the season short or, you know, just delay it um, further. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. The most notable piece of news uh, during the past week, of course, was the Bengals cut a long time... First round cornerback Dre Kirkpatrick. I think everyone, you know, everyone's had their say on this, and I, I don't think I differ too much on what a lot of people say. Um, you know, we were expecting that really, especially with the signings of Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander, and uh, you know the guys that they've signed in their their cornerback room. It's a really loaded 
uh, room at the moment. Um, so someone had to go, and it was Dre. And I was sad about it because I like Dre. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people say. Um, so I'm sorry to see him go because he's been with us for kind of what? One, two, since 2012. You know, that's eight years, man. Yeah, it's a long... I remember... Can't believe that's that long ago. I remember him getting drafted and having all that, you know, that fancy clobber on that he wears. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think he was I think he was one of those players that, by all accounts, was sort of an average starter in the league, which is often a cornerback. You know, he stayed healthy quite a lot. It was very very useful thing to have. He just flagged up a couple of times on his tackling and a few blown coverages. I think stood out to some people, and he you know got a bit of flack, but. A solid professional and I think he was well liked I think you know after his release um, this week a lot of people um, in the media have come out and said how much of a pleasure he was to work with and he was very accountable he was always there at the end of games good or bad um, to give his take on things and I think whenever you've got a player like that in the locker room that's not afraid to speak their mind and take uh, you know sort of take accountability for good or bad performances it's a big thing so you know he'll be sorely missed it's a very good shift in Cincinnati to do sort of seven eight seasons you know anywhere so I absolutely wish him the best and you know I hope he doesn't come back to haunt us yeah I, I the thing is Dre we all know his fallibility in tackling that's not his sort of strongest point his ball skills have been called into question but I think I think when you're a shutdown corner or mooted to be a shutdown corner it's like almost playing goalkeeper in, you know, our, our version of football. Any little mistake that you make yeah. is, you know, so uh, amplified and so kind of, you know, in your face. And Dre did get beat a few times. Dre, there was a few blown coverages over the years. But on the whole, I thought he was a decent player. And you can argue all day whether he sort of lived up to that first round billing. Um but I, I thought he had a really solid career in Cincinnati. Uh, but it's obvious that what this new regime, Zach's crew, want. They want strong tacklers on the boundary. And Trey Waynes is an upgrade in that area uh, from Dre. And Mackenzie Alexander, too. Um, you just got to get William Jackson back on track and, and tackling well. Um, so it's obvious that the you know why, why they wanted to, to let him go. And by the sounds of it, they did it with respect as well, which, you know, you kind of expect from Zach, really. We, I think everybody knows and gets the, the sense that Zach is a good man and, and deals with people properly and with respect. And I was really pleased to see uh, Dre treated with a bit of respect. And, yeah, you know, there were several, you know, several interviews in the locker room where he did not pull any punches whatsoever. And... You know, a guy that's been there for a while has kind of seen the the ups and the downs, and um, yeah, I, I I wish him well as well. Apparently, he's going to stay in Cincinnati. His girlfriend is a Cincinnatian. Um, they live in Cincinnati. Obviously, they got a kid who was born in the city, uh, so he's he's planning to kind of stay there in terms of a base. So we'll see where he ends up next. But for in the meantime, it's uh, we say thank you and all the best to Dre. Yeah, absolutely. Fully echoed. Um, okay, well, we we want to talk about Zach Taylor a little bit after we've heard from our uh, draft panel because uh, Zach has been doing some strange things on lockdown, as we all have, I suppose. Uh, but I think it's now time to bring in our British draft panel, our Bengals UK draft panel. We did this last year and it went down really well. And we've invited the three lads, the three same lads back again, um, 
Uh, we're going to say hello to Peter Dadswell, Sam Anger and Liam Corlett. So it's over to you, Pete. Thank you, Paul. Uh, and uh, welcome to beautiful Sheffield, the jewel in the crown of God's own county of Yorkshire. Um, I'm your host today, uh, Peter Dadswell, at Dadders on Twitter. Joining me to talk uh, all things Bengals 2020 draft, uh, our fellow uh, UK Bengals geeks, uh, Sam Anger, uh, Sam underscore Anger uh, on Twitter, and Liam Corlett, uh, Bengals UK underscore blog on Twitter. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Good afternoon. So let's get to it. 2020 draft. Uh, so start with round one. It's LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. That pick is the most important, is it not? If the Joe Burrow number one pick works out successfully, the benefit for the organisation for five to ten years is immeasurable. And, and it won't matter how good picks two to seven of the draft are if the, um, Joe Burrow works out. Um, the importance of having a, a potentially elite franchise quarterback is beyond calculation. Um, Liam, some people say that Chase Young, the Ohio State edge rusher, is the best player in the draft. Why don't we go for the best rusher? Why, what's the benefit of being a quarterback? You have to take into account positional value. And as good as Chase Young is, and I think he will be in the league, you need to understand that a lot of the game, he's not going to be influencing the plays. Teams can, they can game plan for him. They can double team him. They can run the other way. He can't impact the game the same way that a QB can. And I believe that Joe Burrow could take us to that next level. I mean, there's more risk involved with picking a QB. The impact, what that QB position has, it's not like any other position in any other sport. Sam, what, what do you see in Burrow that you like so much? Well, it's a bit of everything. I think I think it seems like all the Bengals fans have seen Joe Burrow play now. He's, he's the absolute number one pick. I mean, if... If I was to explain in bullet points, you know, his, his skill set, I mean, his main skill sets, it'd be incredibly accurate, exceptional throwing inside and outside the numbers, good anticipation and phenomenal pocket awareness. That, that is what you want in a quarterback. And, you know, one of the things that I didn't mention on there was the, was the arm strength, you know, it's, I do think the arm strength, you know, he doesn't have to throw 70 yards down the field. You know, it's, I almost think that's like a thing of the past nowadays. And, you know, he kind of gets the job done with his with his vision, pocket awareness and anticipation. You know, you you look at plays like, you know, in the league now, you know, Brady, uh, Breeze, uh, Matt Ryan. You know, none of those have have or have had cannon arms throughout the career. But, you know, they've, they've got the job done at a very, very high level. And, um I'm so excited about it. I'm I'm just excited for a fresh start, and, and especially with the new additions that we made as well. It's you know made it even better for us. I think. I think the thing that excites me the most about Joe Burrow is actually what goes on between the ears. He seems yeah. super intelligent. He reads play. He um, he alters the play, alters the protection. Um, he just seems to be in complete control. And that's even before he's entered the league. So it is exciting to see how far he could progress um, moving forward. Yeah. So I think we're pretty much 
sure that this is going to be Joe Burrow at one. So let's focus our efforts on uh, discussing pick 33, the first pick of the second round. Um, I think our more than normal activity in the free agency has filled many holes, uh, not all of them, but many. And this has given us an opportunity of going um, best position available when it comes to pick 33. And historically, that's a very strong uh, drafting tactic. Um, but going best player available invariably also incorporates positions of need. And so we still need to look at that. Um, before we talk about certain players, I, I think it's worth also pointing out our recent history. The Bengals have shown a tendency to trade down in, in the second round, um, perhaps picking up an extra third or, or, or fourth round pick. Um, and we've picked up some real gems that way. So I don't think anyone should be surprised if that highly coveted number 33 pick um, isn't actually traded. Um, one player we picked up was Sam Hubbard. Um, and speaking of Sam Hubbard, and a shout out to Paul Hirons here, um, the linebacker cupboard uh, looks a bit bare. Um, Sam, tell me about uh, the Wisconsin linebacker or, or edge runner, Zach Bourne. Oh, I love Zach Bourne. Um, he's your relentless kind of guy. Like you just mentioned then, he's, he has got a little bit of Sam Hubbard in him. Um, he plays smart. He's got good snap anticipation. You know, I I personally think Zach Bourne would be, it'd be an asset to any team in the league. You know, he's, he's like a perfect, like, nickel third down guy. You know, just how he moves. He's pretty good in coverage. Um, his ability to get to the quarterback, I think, um, I think is even better. Um, I just think it'd be like absolutely ideal for a, you know, for the Bengals as like a rotation piece. You know, I'm aware that, you know, out and out linebacker is is the most in need position, I guess, for the team at the minute. But you know, taking best player available sometimes is is a better option to go, and and it has a chance to make your team better as a whole quicker. Does does he project well as playing a three down linebacker role rather than just an edge rusher? Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, he can play pretty. Like I just say, he can play pretty well in coverage, and you know, he'd be absolutely ideal on third down. Yeah, uh, playing f- first and second down, like I said, it's like a rotation piece kind of player. So, but if he's there, you know, take him. He's he's got all the tools. And the intention of being a um, uh, very variable defensive front that that we were hope to yeah. to employ, he would um, be uh, very helpful to us. Yes, he would. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, two more conventional linebackers are going to be there around the end, mid to end of the first round, possibly into early second round. Um, Liam, tell me about Joe Burrow's former teammate, LSU linebacker Patrick Queen. Really athletic kid. Um, he's got he's got adequate size. There are questions about his experience. He wasn't starting at, at the beginning of the season. But I think the way he came on toward the end of the season when he was playing better competition, he showed that he can be coached and that he can learn. Um, he's he's very strong. He attacks his blocks well, but he can get lost in traffic. He's a very good blitzer. Um, I'd like to see more of him in coverage, but we know from last year with Devin White that the LSU backers don't really get asked to do a lot of a lot yeah. of coverage. It depends on whether or not you think he can, like you can project him to do more in the NFL. And I think he has the physical tools to do that. I think it'd just be a case of 
coaching that out of him. Um, Sam, what about um, the Oklahoma linebacker, Kenneth Murray? Um, he's he's more like a run-stopping guy. He's, you know, the, he's the big effort type linebacker, good, tack, good tackler. He's, he's pretty instinctual as well. Um, I wouldn't trust him necessarily to be a three-down linebacker, but, you know, he's... Is a machine when it's in terms of like flying around the field and and making plays, but occasionally he can be he can be reckless with it. You know, he's he's like the Tasmanian Devil type. You know, he's he plays very on edge and he hits very hard. He's very aggressive. Um, he's feisty, you know, flying around the field, but he's just he's just not as dynamic as I'd like. Um, I've heard people saying, you know, that they they trade up for him, but. Uh, I'm not in that mindset with him, you know. He, I do. I think he has a chance to be good. I think he has a chance to be a good player, but I wouldn't want to trade up. And if I was to choose between Murray and Bourne, it, it certainly would be Bourne. Liam, have you got any view on Murray? I, the more I've watched of him, the more I like. I, he doesn't look like he's going to light the league up. He doesn't look like he next Luke Keekley, but. When when you're picking a guy in the second round, like that's not what you're going to get, or it's not what you're going to get every time, and that's okay. I think he could be a really solid starting linebacker in the league. I, I like his athleticism. I like all his physical tools. He can be a little stompy in coverage, um, but I mean, you look, for me, he's a solid player, and I, I wouldn't be upset if they picked him. I just, I, it's again positional value. I think another player from another position might slide to us who could be more of a game changer for us. So if we were looking at a linebacker um, at pick 33, I think what I'm hearing is our preferences, Zach Bourne, albeit as a rotational piece, more of an edge rusher, possibly Patrick Queen. But our concerns here are lack of linebacker with covering skills. and, And unfortunately, that's exactly what we need um, at the Bengals, so uh, perhaps there isn't a linebacker out there that perfectly fits the, uh, fits the mould that we want. Is that right? Yeah, there's not a lot around that mark, is there? Around the second round area, it's hard to find a linebacker that can cover and that can, you know, they do it all. Okay, so let's move away from linebacker for for um, a second then to. Again, looking at pick 33, uh, first pick of the second round, uh, many still say that the continued weakness of the Bengals is the O-line, uh, even though we will have the return of last year's first-round pick, um, the former Alabama um, left tackle, Jonah Williams. So there are a couple of players that stand out likely to be there or thereabouts at pick 33. Um, one of them is, um, and I think one of the positions we are looking at is interior um, offensive line. And the player that I particularly like is Cesar Ruiz. He um, has, he played at Michigan. He uh, was predominantly center. He had 31 starts at Michigan, uh, of which 26 of those were at center, but he started five games at right guard. So it's a bit of a um, projection to see him in the NFL as a guard, but not too big a leap, I think. He's big, he's strong, he's 6'4", 307 pounds, anchors well, um, uses all his body um, to to block and is able to reset his feet very quickly. Really strong hands, really strong punch. Um, 
very intelligent, can fit a, a multitude of different schemes. But the thing that really interests me is how athletic he's so athletic for a big man. He was 84th percentile in the 40-yard dash, um, 93rd and 94th percentiles in the broad and vertical jumps. But the one that really impressed me is the 67th percentile in the 20-yard shuttle. He is superb on the move. Um, and so playing, uh, uh, if we did more of the screen game, which I, I would hope we would, he would be a real weapon. In his own running scheme, his ability to pull and reach the second and then level and more is fantastic. And Mixon would love to run behind him. Uh, and the other thing is, he's young. He's entering the draft as a 20-year-old. He's got years ahead of him in the NFL. And uh, if he's there at 33, I, I would be happy to, uh, to draft him. Um, so what about Josh Jones of Houston? Liam, any thoughts on him? I like him. Um, he's got ideal size. He's he's more than athletic enough. I think he could be a solid starter in this league. Um, he just needs to clean up his technique, his footwork, and and things just aren't quite there yet. But th- these are things that will come on the more he's in the league when he's playing with pros. And I'd, I'd be I'd be more than happy to see him there. Okay. Um... Is he left tackle? Is he right tackle? Can he push in, uh, kick inside to uh, um, a, cent, um, a guard position? I look. We all have our opinions on Bobby Hart at right tackle. I think the Bengals are a lot higher on him than what we are. But I mean, he, his his deal at the minute we can get out of in a, in, a, in a year, and it won't cost us anything. I'd like to see Josh Jones maybe push for a guard spot for a year, and then prove he. He has what it takes to play in this league and take that right tackle spot away from Bobby Hart. That's what I'd like to and see happen if he was the pick. Okay, and there's a lot of sense, of course, if you're going to invest the first pick um, in perhaps the uh, the best uh, quarterback to come out of college uh, in many a generation, that you protect him. You've got uh, Jonah Williams starting at left tackle and perhaps use your 33rd pick to get another uh, high-quality um, starting offensive lineman. I saw Josh yeah. Jones getting mocked at like something like it 15 or something earlier on today, I think. In fact, I think it was Pro Football Focus's podcast. I think they had him like going at 14, 15. So like that really surprised me. I mean, there there are five offensive tackles, aren't there, that you would be delighted if any of them fell to 33. Yeah, and Josh yeah, Jones yeah. is probably the fifth, yeah. the fifth one of those. Yeah. Okay, look. Gentlemen, everyone says that this wide receiver class is probably one of the strongest of all time coming out of college football. Um, so let's look at wide receivers to, to draft a, a weapon for Joe Burrow, perhaps someone who can compete, um, uh, perhaps be ready to take AJ Green's place if uh, we aren't able to extend him or if we decide not to employ the, uh, take the fifth-year option on J- uh, John Ross next year. So, um, Sam, tell me about um, uh, Burrow's former um, LSU teammate, wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I was going to say, what better new teammate to have? Like Justin Jefferson, I think he's <clears throat> he could be the most reliable and safest offensive pick in this entire draft. I think um, he's only six. He's only six one. He ran a combine of four four three. Um, but he does. He doesn't play like a six-one guy. He's 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 incredibly reliable. It's somebody who you know 
I, I think personally he'll fit right into the Larry Fitzgerald mould in terms of, you know, his style of play and his work ethic. You know, he's one of those, um, you know, first in, last out kind of guys, which is which is always nice to hear. Um, he, he, he almost has everything you need for the position. You know, he's, he's way more from not catching the ball between the numbers, but it's it's what he does after the catch that I think is, is special. It's... Um, you know, again, like Fitzgerald. But didn't he? Most of his production come in the slot, and we just extended Tyler Boyd. AJ Green's been getting more production when he's on the pitch uh, in the slot. Um, aren't we really going to be looking for a, um, a, a boundary wide receiver? Well, he can play on the boundary as well. He's shown that, but I'll just like it's more often than not he's catching between the hash uh, between the numbers. Um, you can rely on play on the outside. There weren't many that I did, but. You know, the games that I saw in many games that I did see him playing on the boundary, but he can play that position. Um, you know, he, okay. he's just so special. Like, just as a whole, he's just a very, very special receiver. And I were going to say, like, in comparison to another player, he's almost like a bit like a Julio Jones, where when you see him sprinting, it's, it's very deceiving. It's almost like a glide. It doesn't look like he's got burning speed, but, you know, when you saw that combine, he really does burn. It really does burn, you know, 4-4-3. Four, four, uh, so, you, you've come to him with Fitzgerald and Julio Jones. No pressure yeah, well, at all there. In, in little parts, yeah. I really like Jefferson. Um, and I know there's a lot of consensus about his production from the slot. And that, that that's where the bulk of his snaps have been. I think he's shown he's got the physical tools to at least be given the opportunity outside. And we have to take into account our offence was always supposed to be based around the Rams offense and all their receivers are slot guys. That, yeah. And they make it work. And I, I think we can do the same. I, I think there's, there's ways to rotate green Boyd and Jefferson and get them all the targets they need. And then you pick, teams have to pick their poison. And I, I really like Jefferson. And if he is there at, at 33, he, I, I'd be really sure. I, I think he's got everything you want in an outside receiver. Okay, um, there is another wide receiver I think we should uh, talk about, and that's um, Baylor's Denzel Mims. Liam, uh, I think he rocks your boat, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I really like him. Um, he he was a bit under the radar, and then he, he went to the Senior Bowl and, and really cleaned a few things up and, and answered a lot of questions. Playing at Baylor, he did, he, his route tree wasn't the broadest. Um, he, was, he was quite limited in in what he was asked to do. But if you watch watch him play at the Senior Bowl, and I really liked his one-on-ones. He took a lot more care in his route running. I thought he, his footwork was cleaner. He's another big physical guy. He ran really fast for a guy of his, like, like bulk. He looks bulky. Obviously, he's, he's not like he's not like Chase Claypool, who's a, who's a, a giant. But I, I think he's he's got ideal size. Um, and I just I just think he showed a lot more at the Senior Bowl than what people thought, and that's what's pushed him up the draft board. And I mean, again, he's an exciting player. We weren't fortunate enough, um, being these thousands of miles away, to be able to go to the Senior Bowl and watch all the practices. But I know that uh, Joe Goodbury of um, Locked On Bengals fame kindly sent some videos of his. Uh, um, senior bowl practices to you, didn't he, Sam? Yeah, he did. 
Yeah, it's, I was talking to him the other day. He did send me some out. I, I couldn't believe what I was saying, to be honest, because I was saying that I think he was quite overrated, to be honest. And then, he, you know, with the little things that I sent him, uh, what I was saying, he, he, he somewhat agreed. And then he was like, I've got to show you this. So he did. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> so I don't take too much stock into it, to be honest. So, and that's all. Okay. Yeah, all right. He's so um, fun to right. watch off of press. Like watching him bully a, a cornerback on press coverage is is fantastic, and I really enjoyed that. We spent most of free agency strengthening the defense, especially the secondary, um, which reduced the uh, possibility that we might go secondary in the um, at pick thirty-three. Someone that I thought like Grant Delpit. But I know there is a cornerback uh, that you particularly like, Sam, the uh, Ohio State cornerback, Damon Arnett. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I love Damon Arnett. He's, uh, he's versatile. He's tough. He's a playmaker. Um, I'm really excited about him as a prospect. You know, he's a player that I think has gone on the radar a little bit as well. You know, I, I do think if it wasn't for his teammate on the other side, Jeff Akuda, we might be talking about Arnett a little bit more than, than we are. You know, he's shown for me, especially when I watch him on film, um, he's equally as good in in zone and man coverage. He's he's got ball skills. He's he eye points the balls well. He's he's tough. He's physical. You know, he's he's like the do it all type. You know, I and I seriously, you know, call this what you will, but I I think he could be a a, a starting number one corner right away. You know, and we're talking about. Uh, 33 or even what's the third round pick what's what number is it we're picking is it 65 five is it 65 if he's there take him okay. absolutely take you can't have enough good corners on your team and that's the way i, I see it anyway excellent stuff well you um, um linked quite nicely there two pick 65 um the, the third round Personally, I think this is an extremely valuable uh, pick. I look for instant starters in round one and two, but then pick around three and four, we need to be looking for players who may well contribute in year one, but they will develop into important players in, in, in year two and, uh, and on. And with the number of ageing stars that the Bengals have in the team, um, these rounds three and four are where we need to be looking for their future replacements. I think we, we summarised that we weren't overly taken with the linebackers um, for the second round. So it, let's look at linebackers for the third round. Um, Liam, tell me about Ohio State's um, linebacker Malik Harrison. For me, he's a bit more of an old school linebacker. Um, he's strong enough, he's got ideal size, and he's he's a very sure tackler. Um, it's he's, Again, he's, he's not going to light up the league for me, but I think in a QB, sorry, a linebacker needy team like us, I, I think he'd be a value pick at, at 65. Um, um, interesting point you made there. And I think the key words you said there were very sure tackler. And we saw that in free agency that we were looking to replace with people with very high tackling percentages. Um, and some of the other uh, round two linebackers are, are fairly similar. They, um, they have very good tackling skills, given the extent to which Bengals have had tackling problems over the last few years. I think any linebacker coming into that room uh, with sure tackling will be an added bonus. I, I think if you look at the division as well, the, the teams we're going to have to play, that they run the ball a lot. I mean, look at the Ravens. It, it, it looks like our free agency was built 
to shut down Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense. <laughs> Player who can tackle as as well as Harrison would be valuable in that. So let's be fair, we're only we're only scared of the Ravens, really, aren't we? Let's be fair. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I just want to put something. I just want to put something to you, you, you guys. Um, obviously, with the COVID nineteen virus uh, and the shutdown, none of us know what's going to happen with the season ahead, and we won't know for quite some time. I've heard it mooted that if there is a, an impact upon the league, if they have to cut down on games, that they could just play divisional games. Wow! How do you wow. fancy? How do you fancy a season of six games, two against? The Squealers, two against the Browns and two against the uh, the Ratbirds. Uh, sorry, the Ravens. I fancy my chances, definitely, yeah. Uh, Ravens, I'm, I'm terrified of nowadays. It used to be the Steelers. It was for all Bengals fans for many years. Now it's the Ravens. I've got no fear of the Steelers anymore. I just want to smack the Browns in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. I hate the Browns hype. I hate it. Okay. Um, right. Well, Sam. Can you tell me anything about the Appalachian State linebacker Keem Davis Gaither, other than he's got an extremely long name? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he, he's, he certainly he certainly looks bigger than what he is. I think I put on Twitter something like you know the stats on him. I put like six uh, four or something, but then somebody corrects me saying you do know he's only six one, don't you? I'm like, oh god, that was so embarrassing. But anyway, um, is is. He's another physical one. He's, he's rangy, he's slippery. Um, he plays bigger than his size, like I just said. Uh, but what stands out to me is that it's, it's his ability to stop the run and his tackles for loss, which, it, which to me, it's, it's, it's an underrated you know, trait in the NFL. You know? As it's, it's more of a stats-focused league you know, with the sacks. But his ability to stop the run is absolutely phenomenal. Um. His, his ability to stretch and bend and wrap, you know, I, I think it's just something quite unique for his size. And he's, he's, also, he's also got a little ability as well to bat balls at the line. I watched about four games and he must have done it about four or five times. Um, like I said, very, very unique for his size. He's very athletic. And um, I can see him, I, I see him going round two. I think his talent is that good. I think he's slightly sneaky under the radar as well. Look out for him going round two. I think he will. I, uh, a con- not necessarily a comp, but I saw um, him being referenced as a poor man's uh, Simmons. So someone who is um, so athletic, he could be, he can play in coverage, he could play yeah. in the secondary, but um, but he's he's not, he's a linebacker, and he can come out, come forward, and smash you in the face. And uh, but obviously he's not uh, as um, uh, he's not going to be as high as Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson, um, I wouldn't call him linebacker, the Clemson defensive player. But perhaps um, Davis Gaither is, uh, is a cheap, uh, younger, uh, sorry, a, a poor man's version of him, maybe. But call it poor man's. Let's have a look in two years' time, see where they both are. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. Mm. It's not a bad player to be compared to, is it? No, it's not. Oh, it's I've not really seen much of Simmons, to be honest. So I've not got much to say on him, so... Oh, I mean, if if we weren't going pick one and needing a quarterback, the the prospect of picking Simmons and being able to just tell him play anywhere because yeah. he can do everything. And uh, I must admit, um, I, I I love my linebackers. I really do. My eyes get drawn yeah. to linebackers, and uh, I I like him. I mean, I okay, think this has been so much fun for me. I think this this year, you know, with us picking number one overall, 
It's almost, well, it's pretty much a cert who we're taking number one. I've now been focusing on second, th- well, we all have really, focus on second, third, fourth. Right? It gives you more of a wide range of who to look for, you know, in, in day two and day three. And you know most of the players. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, been, it's been a fun process. Can we pick number one every year? <laughs> no, let's not, because that means we've had, we've gone two, no. <laughs> we've gone two and fourteen. Um, okay, um, again, let's look at those wide receivers, um, but this time in, in the third round. Um, there's there's one I really like, um, and Liam, I think you're hot in him as well. That's the uh, TCU wide receiver, Jalen Rager. Yeah, I, I like Rager. He's he's a bit of a replacement for John Ross. John Ross hasn't panned out how we wanted him to. He struggled with injuries. He's he struggled with drops. I mean, he's had his production, but I mean, are you really going to pick up his fifth-year option and, and fork out the money you're going to have to to keep him? I think Jalen Rager offers you what John Ross does on a much cheaper contract. He's he's blazing fast on tape. He might not have ran that fast at the combine, but if you watch his tape, he, he's really quick. Oh uh, yeah, he, he does struggle. With drops, he, he he has got inconsistencies there, but a lot of these guys do, and I th- I think his electric playmaking ability will outweigh those. I also have a few concerns over his durability. You tend to find these smaller guys pick up niggles. These really fast twitchy guys, they 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 pick up muscle injuries. So that's another thing to consider especially not being able to do all the medical stuff that we'd usually do. You're saying prone to drops and prone to muscle injuries. He very much is a replacement for John Ross then, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, but he's going to cost you a lot less and it might not turn out like that. Now, listen, been... I, 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 I'm, I joke. I like Jen and Rager and I tell you, he's also good on the ret- in the return game. Um, okay, well, a wide receiver that doesn't have a problem with the drops but there again is a bit of a taller unit, um, is the uh, USC wide receiver, uh, Michael Pittman. Oh, yeah. Sam? Michael Pittman, is, Michael Pittman is the most underrated player in this entire draft. He's going to be special. You know, he's, he's, he's got everything in my eyes anyway. He's, his yards after the catch, he's strong in contested catches, he's quick off the line, he's smooth. And he literally is the do-it-all receiver. He, he seriously is. He's, uh, he's my favourite prospect in this draft, as I've probably said a few times before. Um, he's not he's not one-dimensional. He's rooting either, which when you're watching players on tape, especially receiver, you, you, you see a lot of one-dimensional stuff. Um, I can see him... I can see him really shining. Whatever team, t- whichever team takes him, I can see him shining. I, I think that? he's been unlucky this year. He's he's played um, on the West Coast, and therefore um, they aren't seeing quite as much. Their games are broadcast um, very late um, in the evening or night time. Right, yeah. USC weren't a good team this year. And I just think he has suffered as, a, uh, suffered as a result. And it's madness that you can sometimes pick him up in rounds four or five in mock drafts because that's just not reality. He's yeah, going day two. Yeah. It's where he's yeah. been projected. I've seen, you know, for the past couple of months, he's been projected like rounds three, four, five, even six. Like yeah. maybe, maybe a I couple know. of months ago, six. But he's, I watched, I think I first watched him in January. We're in January. And I couldn't believe what I was saying. I'm like, who's this guy? Like, and I was looking at yeah. information on him and yeah, USC guy. And 
not much product, uh, not much production as a team. But I couldn't care less. I just look at his talent, and he's going to shine whichever team takes him. I really, I seriously believe it. So we hope he's out at sixty-five, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. yes. I, I like Pittman. I, you know, I do. Yeah. And do you know what? Do you know if he's there at thirty-three, and we took him, I, I wouldn't care. I'd love it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, right, gentlemen. I, right, gentlemen. I, I set you a task um, to find me a sleeper picker, a day three pick, perhaps someone that um, we could pick up late in the draft that you would uh, be really pleased to see, someone who could be sneaky good for us moving forward. Who have you got for me, Liam? So, I know he's not really a sleeper, but I think he's going to be picked up later in the draft just because of positional value, being a running back. I really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. I know it's not an LSU guy, but there's so many of these guys in the draft because they were so good. He's short, which people may may criticise, but I I think, Paul, you'll back me on this. That means nothing. Um, He's got a really thick lower body. He's got a great centre of gravity. His balance is amazing. He's super shifty and physical I, I, I really like him as a running back he he can catch out the backfield and he's shown he he has got what it takes to block I mean he's he's obviously got the leverage to block because of his height but he's got everything you want to see in an NFL running back the only question with him is is his top end speed he's he's not got he's not a burner but he's he's got the acceleration he's explosive I think he is going to be one of he is my top running back in this draft. I love him. I did hear because I've not seen anything. I've only the only things I've seen on a layer is when Burrow's when I've been watching Burrow. But I've heard something about when Burrow got asked who's the best player he's ever played with in his life. He said Clyde Edwards Alaire. They certainly have got a very good understanding. You don't need to yeah. watch too many LSU games to to reach that conclusion. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think you might be right there, I mean, Liam. Despite me not watching I've not watched anything of him, but yeah, could be a good one. And we all know that Gia Bernard is a popular player for Bengals fans, and that's especially the case for UK fans, I, I think. Um, but you could see that his contract could be saved um, if he was cut after someone like uh, Edward Hilaire was, was drafted. Yeah. Uh, OK, Sam, who have you got for me? I've got Omar Bayliss, wide receiver out of Arkansas State. I don't know if you've ever seen any of their games. It, it just looks like a either a, it's like a back garden or it's 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 ridiculous. There's about <laughs> five people watching. <laughs> but the things that stood out, you know, I've got like the bullet points and I'm just looking here. Like he's, he's an impressive tracker of the ball. He's got strong hands. He's a smooth route runner. He's got natural hands as well. Um, he's he's got that like scouting trait that I don't usually like to say, but he's quicker than fast. You know he's got he's got really quick feet and you know short area quickness. You know, he's, mm-hmm. but the, what ra- what round are we talking about? Oh, um, this this could be like fifth round, sixth round. Okay, um, but he he he, do, he does the key things very well, and he seems to catch everything that comes his way. Um, what I liked about him, he catches with his hands as opposed to with his body. And he's, that's yeah. what I'm being about with the natural hands. But I looked well, just quickly. Do you, want to tell us his name? do you want to tell us his name again? And so we can mark this down as Sam's pick. Yeah. Omar Bayless. 
Wide so receiver when the Bengals draft Omar Bayless in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, remember Sam Ainger, everyone. Oh no, you don't need to do that. No, 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 no. But he, he's <laughs> okay. He's definitely a good prospect. Um, but I looked, I, I looked at his stats earlier, and he's. I think he's been playing for uh, for Arkansas State four years, and each each year's progress, it's been like three hundred yards, five hundred, seven hundred, and last year he got sixteen hundred and some odd yards. And 19 touchdowns. Uh, okay, um, well, gentlemen, the, the person I want to put forward, and I'd love to see us picking him up very late, is the Georgia Southern kicker, Tyler Bass. Oh. Um, he impressed in the senior bowl, impressed the uh, Bengals coaching staff who were there, of course, kicks an absolute bomb. And then we know that Randy Bullock had a, a decent season for him, um, but we know we can't really rely upon him from 50 yards plus. But um, I'd love to see Tyler Bass drafted because he can. He's a great kickoff specialist. Uh, 73.9% of, of his kickoffs went for touchbacks. Now, we know that rookie kickers need time. They need time to gain experience. Um, and uh, we didn't give time to Elliot when we drafted him and picked no. Bullock ahead of and, and everyone was frustrated at that. But when's the best time to give the kicker that necessary experience to develop and grow is when the team are rebuilding. And so I'd love to see us go for someone like Tyler Bass, um, send Randy Bullock off into the pasture and, uh, and, and, and commit to this young um, kicker who's got an absolute yeah. bomb of a kick. Yeah. Okay. Gentlemen, um, one of the suggestions that we had was that we very quickly run a three-round mock draft. So I've been running it whilst you have been talking. This is usually... Draft Network's uh, mock draft machine without any trades. Um, I decided to take an executive decision here, and I went Joe Burrow in, in round one. Apologies if that's not what you wanted. Oh, but, um, really? Well, what can I say? Now, interestingly, we've got some. <laughs> we've got a lot of the players that we talked about available to us at pick thirty-three. Uh, we, we've got Jordan Love, the quarterback, dropped there. Patrick Queen is next on on the list. Josh Jones is there. The Penn State edge, Utah, uh, Utah Gross Matos, and the Iowa edge, AJ Epineza are there. No. Um, we've got Cesar Ruiz there. Um, and um, uh, one of the favorite players of our own, Paul Hirons. Uh, we've got Jeremy Chin. There. Oh, um, Paul's boy. That's Paul's boy. Paul's, that's Paul's boy. So um, we've spoken about Patrick Queen. Josh Jones and Cesar Ruiz, but there are a couple of uh, round one quality edges there. So who are we taking? So defensive end is a sneaky need for us, but I, I th looking at positional value again for me, I think it's got to be the tackle. I, I want Josh Jones there. That I'm I'm going to argue for my guy Josh Jones at that pick because of of the value. I mean, he, he's a first round talent. And you're getting him at 33. Oh, I usually like to make opinions on players that I've watched. But, you know, from what Liam said, you know, I trust what Liam's saying. Um, I'll go with Ruiz, definitely, yeah. Interior, yeah, interior offensive. No, well, no, I, that's, that's not what he said. He, went, he said Josh Jones. Oh, sh oh, bro. Don't oh, even listen ball. to me. Oh, my God. No, no. <laughs> okay, well, listen, let me jump in here. Um, I would like Cesar Ruiz, but I think um, on this in this instance, uh, I think we probably go with uh, Josh Jones, uh, just as Liam said, uh, yeah. because uh, the tackles are so important. 
Okay, so the machine's running now, and we're just coming in to pick 65. Um, <laughs> and top of the list is a certain Clyde Edwards Hilaire, funnily enough. Um, we've also got an interior offensive line in Matt Hennessy of Temple, who's who's very good. So we could double dip on offensive line linemen. Um, and just underneath Matt Hennessy is Mr. Michael Pittman Jr., the uh, uh, popular pick for um, for Sam. Uh, also there is um, uh, Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle from Georgia, but we obviously wouldn't go for him if we'd just gone for Josh Jones. So I'm thinking either, um, Liam has a um, hand-to-hand combat over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus um, Sam's uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Who do we go for? Go Michael Pittman. Do you want me to go first? <laughs> yeah, go, go on, Michael then. Pittman. I, we don't... I, Sam's boy. Yeah. All right. You're not going to trust it's me on Michael this. Pittman Jr. No, no. Michael Pittman Jr. That's it then. And that's about it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we hope that uh, during this time of isolation, you've uh, enjoyed our small stroll through the 2020 NFL draft from a, a UK Bengals fan perspective. Uh, Sam, do you want to say goodbye and tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter? Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um... You can find me at Sam underscore Angel. Anybody who likes to watch any you know, draft prospects. Uh, Sam is uh, very uh, prolific in the uh, videos he, he puts out of uh, draft prospects. He's a, certainly a very good follow. Uh, Liam, do you want to say goodbye and tell everyone where they can find you as well? Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. You can find me at Bengals blog underscore UK. Excellent. So, Listen, 2019 was a really tough season for fans to endure. Uh, the reward was the first round, uh, sorry, the first pick in the first round and high picks in every other round. So let's just enjoy ourselves, enjoy this 2020 draft. Thank you uh, and goodbye. Well, there we go. Thank you to Pete, to Sam and to Liam for that uh, extended chat up in Sheffield. And uh, we'll no doubt be talking to them after the draft to see if any of their favourite players were drafted by the Bengals. Um, Nathan, what did you make of that? That's uh, Again, they did it last year. Um, and uh, it, I think it just gives a really valuable insight, really, to those who aren't really into the draft. And a nice list of names there to kind of keep an eye on, basically. Yeah, I got full credit to all three of them for the research and you know everything that goes into looking into that. I mean... Um, you know, for me, I sort of like, you know, checking out the, you know, the draft and stuff, but don't go into anywhere near, near as much detail as them. So full credit to them all. Um, one thing I would say, who do you think would be the UK's Mike Mayock equivalent for the Bengals? Would you say it's Dadders or is it Liam or Sam? Who, who do you think is the Mike Mayock of Bengals oh, UK? You're putting me on the spot now. I mean, each of those guys have a claim to the Mayock. I'm going to say Liam only because he said the word kid in that uh, little segment and that's a very Mayockian uh, thing to say but no it, it, all three of them uh, are really into it and as you said they, they articulated uh, why they liked the players that they liked really well I thought so I think if, that, if that's the case I think Sam can be the uh, Daniel Jeremiah slightly more understated but know, knows what he's talking about yeah well don't, come on don't give them don't big them up that much bloody hell um <laughs> Uh, no, we'll be hearing from those guys again after the draft. I'll give that to Rich Eisen. That's it. He's got Rich Eisen. That's the panel right there. We'll have to. We'll have to get him to do a, a run. A run, Dadder's run at the next combine. I think in full suit. Um, 
Right, should we go through uh, a couple of our just just go through a couple of names that those guys mentioned in the uh, the draft chat there? Um, we all know that linebacker is a bit of a uh, position of need. Um, Zach Bourne seems to be a consensus with those three guys, um, and you can add in the names, you know, Patrick Queen, uh, Kenneth Murray, um, Akeem Davis, Gaither. Those are the guys that really really mentioned were really really mentioned there um any thoughts on on that little crop of linebackers yeah i mean i think it'd be a dream come true if either queen or murray fell into the second round but i think that you know unless we're willing to trade up that's probably uh, a bit of a pipe dream um I think uh, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think the glaring, glaring need on the team at the moment is linebacker. And I think if there's a good one there, you know, you'd absolutely be in a position um, that you probably have to take one at the top of the second round. I mean, there's still a lot of people talking about wide receivers. And, you know, if there was a sort of very quality sort of player there, you, you potentially... Also, that would be in the frame. But what are you thinking, son? I mean, you know, you're at 33 and there's not a lot of names floating around at the moment. Um, someone I quite like is, I think Dad has mentioned it, is uh, Cesar Ruiz, a sort of interior lineman. But to, to you, who, who who's a sort of player, like top two or three players that you're sort of, you know, targeting there? Um, I mean, just, strict, just, just in the way that we've attacked defence uh, for the most part, You've got to be looking at offense uh, with that thirty-third pick. I think there is a good chance that they'll they'll move down and maybe trade and, and kind of accumulate another pick or even two. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I like the idea of an interior offensive lineman. I do think though that everything that has come out of the Bengals uh, from the end of last year kind of says to me uh, that they're sort of semi-okay with with the offensive line and the improvements that they made now I'm not saying that Bobby Hart is a world beater I'm not saying that Michael Jordan is a world beater I'm not saying that uh, Xavier whatever's Philo pastry man is is a is a is a world beater but they've got bodies there and I you know we can rely on Trey Hopkins Jonah's coming back obviously this year I, I do think they'll pick up an offensive lineman or two that early, I'm not quite sure. And then you've got to be looking at wide receiver because the hope is that they're they're going to sort out a long-term deal with AJ between now and July, although that's going to be difficult without seeing him in any kind of physical activity unless he posts more kind of dance moves on TikTok. That's not really a standard to to sign someone to a, a multi-million, multi-year deal. Um, so that's going to be difficult, but I, you know, I expect them to re-sign AJ um, John Ross is going to be off, I would imagine. He's just too unreliable and inconsistent. Um, you watch John. I guarantee you always guarantee with John Ross, unless we take someone at thirty-three that's a wide receiver. Or you know, I almost guarantee you in his contract year that John Ross absolutely blows up this year and gives everyone a massive headache as to what to do because it, I mean he's really. You know, when he has been on the field, he's really flashed. I mean, you just look at, you know, game one of last season against Seattle when he absolutely went off. And the first couple of games of that season, I mean, he was on pace for like 2,000 yards at one point. I mean, you know, he really is dynamic, but it's so, you know, up and down. But yeah. I almost, you know, players have a funny way in contract years of um, having their best ever performances. And I would not be surprised at all 
um, especially with you know Joe Burrow coming in to see him have a very very good year and cause the Bengals a real headache. Well, who knows? But I still think there's durability issues with John, unfortunately, both uh, physically and emotionally. Um, I think he's just very inconsistent. But we'll, we'll see. But so I do think the need, a sneaky need, is there for a wide receiver, and what a class to choose from. You know, the guys mentioned Jefferson and Mims and and and. Uh, and Michael Pittman, I do like Michael Pittman. I think he's a big lad, but he's athletic, got good hands, all the rest of it. He's everything that you want. And um, so interesting. Um, so I, I've got a really uh, sneaky suspicion that obviously, you know, at the end of the day, round one, we're picking, um, you know, the first pick in the second round. I really think with no compensation picks this year, I think the Bengals will be fielding a lot of trade offers. Um, at 33 and I think they will be very tempted they've got a couple of guys on the board at 33 they're interested in and they feel like they can pick them up six seven eight spots back I really think to pick up an extra like fourth round pick or something I think there'll be I think there's a very very good chance that the Bengals might move back in that second round by sort of yeah between sort of five and ten spots I would estimate yeah I mean it's definitely a possibility and we'll talk to Dave Lapham next week a bit more about that uh, but yeah, if you put me on the spot right now, actually no, I'm not going to reveal it now. We'll, we'll do that a bit later on. We'll do that a bit later on. But you know, there's there's a there's a possibility of a wide receiver early in that second round. There's a possibility of a linebacker in early in that second round. Um, so you know, um, it's going to be very very interesting. I think the consensus is that they're going to take Joe Burrow. So therefore, as the lads mentioned, pick 33 becomes the most interesting pick of the draft really um weirdly Let, let's let's have a look at the joe burrow o meter this week <laughs> how right. many percent are you saying out of a hundred that he comes to the bengals with that number one old pick i am saying 99 percent that he comes there's a one percent chance that some nutter might come in there with uh i would say 98 percent 98 percent that there's a very outlandish two percent chance that someone like miami or la or someone like that throws you know the whole draft at the Bengals and Mike Brown possibly accepts but I, I'm saying 98% what are you saying my son I'm going 90 only because uh, I myself have been doing some uh, uh, mock drafts this week and I actually I, I found one on is it pro football network where you can do trades which is fantastic because okay. otherwise on the draft network or fan sided or whatever you have to pay the premium to, to kind of do all the trades and whatnot. But Pro Football Network does allow you to do trades. So it's like, oh, great. So just, just as an exercise, I did trade away Joe Burrow, or at least the first uh, pick overall, to Miami for the, all their first-round picks. I think a second and uh, next year's first and next year's second, I think it was. Wow. And um, That is a haul right there. And I tell you what, came out of that draft with about 49,000 players and I had I had you know I had I think I took Tua at uh, wherever Miami was picking five I think or wherever it was Uh, but I could have easily gone Justin Herbert Um, and then lower down I got uh, one of the top linebackers and a bit lower down further I got one of the top three offensive tackles and then in the second 
I got uh, someone like uh, T Higgins, I think, who I'm, I'm quite enamoured with, the wide receiver. Um, and then another pick in the second. And it was just like, oh, my goodness me, you are filling so many holes with all these picks. And it's almost... But then you just got to remember, you know, what the quarterback means, as Liam said, you know, the value of the position, how he's going to affect the fan base, how he's going to affect the team. Um, so, you know, but it was an interesting exercise. But, yeah, so I'm going 90% because you just never know, really. Um, yeah. But I think, I think, he's going to come. I, I think he's going to come. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, like, when you're talking about then, if you got back, went back to number five and you picked up Tua, I mean you know, a few months ago, like going back sort of four or five months, middle of the season last year, I mean, you know, people were saying quite, you know, that Tua was probably the number one guy until he got hurt. And, you know, a lot of people seem quite high and confident at the moment on his medical issue. I think the fact that he can't visit with teams at the moment is going to be a bit of a concern um, that they can't sort of check him out as they would have done. Um, but I mean, you know, in that situation, like you said, if you went back and you picked him up, you'd be like, Jesus, you know, it could be worth it. But that, that's why I think that, you know, for Miami, I think they might even struggle to get him at five. I've seen a few mock drafts with the Chargers who are in desperate need of a quarterback sort of trading up to nab him. And I would not be surprised at all if Tua wasn't on the board uh, at number five. Yes, I agree. It's all going to be very interesting. We are mere weeks uh, away now. Oh, Joe, Joey Burrow, is that actually his... Uh... Joe Burrow, at Joe Burrow ten on Twitter, has just tweeted hashtag Pray for Browns fans. So um, there we go, shots fired there from Joe Burrow. What that means, I'm not quite sure, but uh, that's interesting. Joe, Joe boy, getting him in early. Oh yes, good lad. Him and Baker, it's going to be absolutely fireworks next year. Him and... Go on, Joe boy. Um, Right, OK, we'll save the draft. Uh, we've got more draft stuff coming next week. And uh, as I say, we're going to be... Uh, we've got Dave Lapham coming in to the pod again, which is magnificent news. Third year, he's done that with us. And I say the the year... The week after that, we've got uh, Joe Goodbury. I think the fifth or sixth year, he's done something with us during the draft, which is incredible. Um, um, the king of the internet, Joe Goodbury. He's back. Um... So uh, we're going to wrap this up in a moment. Um, did you see Zach Taylor and his family in lockdown? He's, he's loving life, isn't he, Zach Taylor? Oh, man. It's, I'm not quite sure what he's doing with his wife and playing horsey <laughs> there. I thought, what, what some strange uh, insight into their family life. But no, and he's come. It's good to see. And I did see an interview with him on sort of FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or whatever it was. And it's good to see him talk again, you know. It's it's nice to see him chat and uh and say he looks looks as though he's got a great family there and they're having fun in lockdown. What's the what's the weirdest thing you've done done during lockdown so far? Probably seen the uh the Tiger King, mate. Have you seen that yet? No, I don't wanna see it, man. Didn't we talk about this last week? I don't wanna see it. I don't wanna see it. It's too full of ugh, horrible people. Yeah, it's probably it's one of those like car crash things that you 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 know it's sort of good to watch. I'm just all over the place at the moment, man. I'm I'm getting up late. I'm showering in the middle of the day. I'm staying up late. I just feel like I'm back at university at the minute. You know, completely off my schedule. Yeah, what kind of clothes are you wearing? Just, whatever I can get my hands on, son. You know what I mean? Like, 
Uh, really? so because we you know like at work you have to do these like uh, calls so i'm like desperately like if i hear someone's gonna ring me and wants to use the video thing i've got to like desperately like run into the bathroom like do my hair you know what i mean like you comb my beard down a bit put a nice shirt on so yeah that's um that's sort of the uh like it's like a fire alarm drill but to like make yourself look half decent so yeah yeah you haven't bent rosie over and tried to make her out to be a horse have you <laughs> I don't know. How, well, however, I respond to that, it's going to. Um... <laughs> well, um, well, but didn't I see something on Instagram that you turned your coffee machine into a beer machine or something like that? A beer dispenser. No, I've, so I've got a. I've had this beer dispenser, like kegerator, um, for a couple of years now, and like I've, I've not used it for a while. But in like emergency situations like this, I bought a few kegs, and they're like 10, 11, 12 pint kegs. Um, it's called Philips Perfect Draft Machine. It's like you put kegs in there, it you, like cools it down to like five degrees, and then you got beer on tap. So can't go to the pub. You got to bring the pub to you, my son. Absolutely, I like that. I like that. I think I've the got way... to tell you what, I had a beautiful, beautiful drop. But it's Spanish beer. Yeah. I've never heard of it before. It's a funny name. Five point two percent, quite yeah. strong. Yeah. Good kick to it. It's like a bit of a yeah, like a weird Spanish brand that I've never seen before. So I fully recommend it. Well, thanks. I didn't. You didn't give us the name, so I can't. I, I don't. I can't go out and buy it. Not that I'm going out very much at the moment, but you know, it's. Uh, um, I think the weirdest thing for me, I had a bit of a virtual pub thing uh, with some friends on Friday night, and uh, they were all telling me that they're washing their shopping and washing their vegetables, and they're they're like spraying their post, and they go through a whole rigmarole. Of, someone goes out to the shops brings the shopping in, empties it in a safe place, and then there's about half an hour of just, like, washing down tins and, you know, plastic packaging, and it suddenly got me worried. It's like, well, should I be doing that? Should, should Is that what you're supposed to do? Um, it sounds a bit over the top, but it got me thinking, and I started to worry because I wasn't doing it, and then I went to the shops, and I was edgy. I was like, I can't, you know, all this, all this bag of shopping here is... It needs to be clean. So when I got back home, I started washing bars of chocolate and all sorts. So I think the weirdest thing I've done so far is wash my you filthy devil. Wash my chocolate, and that's not a euphemism either. Bloody hell! You can imagine like if you just cut it forward like two months ago on this podcast, but you talk about <laughs> I washing know, the I know. chocolate. I know. Yeah. Uh, the, the name of that beer, for anyone interested, is um, Perfect Draft Cervezas La Virgin Madrid Lager. La Virgin. La Virgin Madrid Lager. Very good. Okay, all right. All right, well, thank you very much. Well, there you go. We're going to end the program with a beer recommendation. Not that you can necessarily go out and buy beer at the moment. Well, you can if you sneak out, I suppose. And... Get it online, I'm telling you. Get ah, get, get that. Good chat, good chat. Well, there we go. We uh, we do have another watch party, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, uh, coming up this Sunday, and I'm very pleased to announce that it is the Cincinnati Bengals travelling to our arch enemies, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in the 2005 season. But don't worry, it's not that Bengals-Steelers game of the 2005 season. It's a it's about a month or so before, in December, the start of December, uh, the Bengals travelling up to uh, Pittsburgh and uh well i won't tell you the result but it's another cracking game uh, and in that game we'll have carson palmer and tj hushmanzada and chad johnson and rudy johnson and justin smith again and um uh, it is a really really exciting good game so um 
do tune in for that I'll put that all over uh, social media uh, so do come in and join that and hopefully it'll provide you with another distraction because unfortunately lots of people are uh, unable to go and see their families for Easter uh, Sunday this this coming Sunday so hopefully you'll spend it with us instead um, and with that until next week stay safe be good my son my son before we end oh, you always do this i do this big outro and you just interrupt <laughs> me all the time what's what go on, go on go on go on this is terrible production planning from you you know because what? we need to have a script here like the, there's more fans watching us now due to the coronavirus right. and i feel like we've got to up our game here right. i was gonna say this is the second week in a row yeah there's not been any solid handles well like, i know because that? we we we've 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 focused on we focused on our draft panel this week, and but we'll have some questions next week, and hopefully, it'll be. I don't know what the collective noun is for solid handles. A uh, an outcrop of solid handles. A uh, a stiffening of solid handles. I don't know what do you call it. <laughs> That's a stiffening. Is what I like that. A okay. Stiffening solid handles. <laughs> Um, but we will ask we'll get you guys involved again next week uh, you know we'll as I say we're going to be talking to Dave Lapham but we'll uh, this this week was a bit different because we had a bit of a meaty 40 minute segment with the lads up in the Sheffield lads um, so I do hope you enjoy it now can I finish the bloody podcast or are you going go on, to I'll let, I'll, let you, I'll let you finish it off son go on so with all that it's oh hell I can't don't now <laughs> you throw me off me me axis man right okay come on so get, get back into the saddle get into the groove man uh on, right and with that go on. oh shut up and with that uh until, go on. until next week be safe be good and uh, it's a big who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.